0: follow the whole year uh, through the liturgical calendar and there's different sorts of seasons and I don't, I don't think Epiphany is a season, um, it's listed as we are the second Sunday after Epiphany, Epiphany is a day um, and it celebrates, uh, typically there's a reading of the three, the, no, I always say three, the, the kings that come visit Jesus, the infant Jesus and um, his baptism are two stories that are focused on um, for the celebration of Epiphany. And they both have to do with this idea of manifestation or revelation. Uh, so with the, the kings, who are not Jewish, it's uh, the infant Christ is manifest or revealed to the, to the non-Jewish world as they come and worship him. And then with this baptism, with the, uh, the voice from heaven and the dove um, and Jesus being baptized, uh, the Trinity is there, and it's this manifestation of Jesus as God, Jesus as uh, human, human being baptized God being um, with the dove. And so those are the, um, uh, those are the stories that go with it. And it's, it's a feast and it's a day. Um, and so sometimes this is called ordinary time until we get to Lent. Uh, but we're going to, I think, stick with those themes of uh, epiphany uh, until we get to Lent. This idea of, um, you know, now that Jesus has come to us, now that God has uh, met us as a human being um, in the flesh, uh, what do we do with that? You know, we've celebrated the coming of Christ, and now uh, the question is, oh, what do we do with that? How do, we, um, how do we act on that? You know, what do we do? Um, and so that requires that idea of revelation and then acting on it, this manifestation, understanding and seeing, you know, what does that mean for us and how do we respond? Um, the Gospel reading that we have, and what we'll find is as we go through um, the, the liturgy uh, throughout the year, is that every week there's a reading from Psalms. It uh, might not be from the book of Psalms, but it'll be a song somewhere in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, we'll have uh, an Old Testament reading, we'll have uh, a Gospel reading, and we'll have uh, a reading out of the New Testament. And so the Gospel reading this morning, I love this story, um, but we're going to we'll read it together. Uh, this is not where the sermon is out of, but this is our new Testament reading for today. Um, <clears throat> John 2, uh, verses 1 to 11. And here we have the first miracle of Jesus. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus' disciples uh, were also invited to the celebration. Uh, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, we have no more wine. Um, That doesn't sound like a, you know, it's not a question. (laughs) It sounds like it demands an answer when it comes from your mom. We have no more wine. Uh, Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So go do it. Uh, Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing, uh, which could hold 20 to 30 gallons. So these are, um, uh, there's water for ceremonial washing. Uh, This is part of a kind of a purification act uh, before you take uh, this meal together. Um, And those are sitting nearby. Jesus says, go to the water. Uh, The servants told, so Jesus told the servants, uh, fill the jars uh, with water. And then the jars, when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies, this is the person that's hired to run the party, and it's gonna, they're going to be they're going to have a lot of shame poured on them if uh, this is not a good party. So take it to for him to drink, and the servants must have been a little nervous about this. Um, he brings out uh, so uh, so the servants followed his instruction in verse nine. The master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it come from. Though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have, right, you're not going to know the difference after you've had a lot of the first wine. Uh, but you have kept the best wine until now. This miraculous sign at Cana In Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So there you have that theme of revelation and belief, revelation and response. And I love this story because there's so much hidden behind the scenes going on. God is sneaky. God is sneaky sometimes and creeps up on us in unaware places. And what's, what's interesting with this Story is that everyone is blessed by it, whether they realize or not, it came from God, right? Everyone, the servants know. We don't know the servants. And the disciples are probably witnessing this and maybe um, a bit confused at first. They, they, they end up believing. Um, but there's just something that's hidden going on that the whole party is blessed by. This overflowing of God's grace uh, to people that... Understand it and see it, and people who don't see it. God is sneaky and sneaks up on us. I love this one uh, because the people who are nameless, he is sneaky. He is sneaky. They didn't see that coming. (laughs) Which is sneaky. That's what sneaky people do. So, it's funny how it works that way. Yeah. It works that way often, and we get that also in our uh, story. Uh, this morning or or our passage this morning out of first Corinthians. Um, Paul understands this. Paul understands that God is sneaky sometimes, and it takes a little bit of work to see what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and he wants us to be aware. And So all these letters that Paul writes, uh, mostly to churches and sometimes to individuals, he's trying to teach us something and trying to reveal something. And here we have this uh, series of passages for our, uh, New Testament readings are out of 1 Corinthians for the next four weeks. So I figured we camp on 1 Corinthians for a while. And this is very similar to the story of Cana, that Paul is seeing something that uh, the congregation doesn't see, and he wants to reveal it. He wants us to understand. He wants the Corinthian church to understand. Corinth is um, in Italy. Uh, It's a city. It was a shipping area, and so it had a lot of traffic. It's a... There was probably a Jewish population there, but we don't get a sense that he's writing to a lot of Jewish people in this passage. These are people who came to believe in Jesus, um, and they converted from whatever pagan religion they were a part of, and now they're a part of a church. Uh, But the church has some issues going on, and one of the things that they're struggling with is this idea of spiritual gifts. Um, I remember uh, being at a church that... um, was very unhealthy. You guys are probably sick and tired of hearing about these this stories from this church, but it was rich with stories for me to draw on. And um, one of the things um, about that church is that the pastor was—he uh, was very discerning. He just had this ability to just kind of see right through uh, whatever sort of things we were putting up, mass we were putting up, and see right to the heart of the issue. And Um, whatever that issue that we were struggling with or wrestling with was. Um, The problem is that this kind of gift of discernment was, it was talked about like it was the biggest and best thing that anyone could ever possess as far as spiritual gifts. And everyone was in the church. It's a small church. uh, And a lot of people were measured in terms of how discerning they were. And, um, that created real problems because if you're not a discerning person, then you're sort of a second-class citizen at this uh, at this church. And um, it was never said that way, but it was sort of felt that way. Um, and also because that gift alone was lifted up as uh, better than anything else, um, or it seemed like again, no one ever says this, but it's sort of they acted like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that gift became abused. Um, it was all about. Looking in the heart and sort of digging down till you get to the bottom of the well of someone's sinfulness, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until after I left I realized you're not going to get to the bottom of that well. You can, it's it's kind of a I mean it's it's good to be able to see and 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 that's one gift that's good to be able to see and and help people along in their spiritual growth, um, but if we're harping on that over and over and over again, it just made for a very depressing place, and um, and. It was all this discernment and trying to get to the bottom of people's sinfulness, and I realized later, looking back on my experience there, that you're not going to get to the bottom of that well. It's just not. It's gonna. You're going to keep going and going and going, and this is going to continue to become, a you know, a more unhealthy place to be, a more unhealthy community. And so, um, when we get into this story about gifting, um, I realize that boy, you know, we, I had that, Lisa and I had that experience at that church. Um, I don't know, I don't have any recent stories about that. I am reminded of uh, Christmas. We had some uh, uh, iPhone 13 show up at our house for Christmas. And I was shocked to hear about phones because... There was all this, and our, our Swedish exchange student, from Sweden, for heaven's sake, is talk, talks about the same phenomena in her high school. That if you don't have that phone, you're just uncool, right? Right. Is that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Right. You're out. Am I right, Josie? Yeah. But now, you're the coolest. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. but that idea you know we're always looking for approval and 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 just trying to fight our way up and sometimes it comes in the form of uh, something that we own uh you know for me it's guitars you know if it's if I could care I was talking to someone that's a a friend of Sophie's high school girl we were sitting uh, watching Josie play or watching the boys play after the girls or something and and I was asking her about her new car and and I said, I just don't care about cars. Jay, you might want to close your ears for this, but I just don't care, right? I mean, I just, I get the oil change because it tells me to. The light's on and it says you got, you know, 5% of your oil left or whatever. I don't even, I don't even understand what it means, but um, I'm going to go. It's not that, is it? No. Okay. I don't clean it and I don't care. But if it comes to a guitar, it's like, oh. I really, I bought this guitar to play. I had a different tuning on it. It's usually a standard tuning, but there's special tunings. And I had, in the band we were playing in, had just a handful, six songs that I needed a special tuning. And I didn't want to retune my guitar to do it. So I bought this extra guitar just for that purpose. And because it was just for that purpose, I decided... To go with a cheaper version, and it still drives me nuts. But it's a great guitar; it really sounds good. But the fact that it wasn't American-made and you know one of the higher end, it still is this thing that it kind of bugs me. But um, this idea that uh, we look for approval—we're all looking for approval—and looking to, uh, we look for it in ways that aren't always healthy, aren't always. Financially good for us. Um, you know, it's not good to find our meaning in our phone or our guitars or, any, or cars or anything else. The Corinthian church is trying to find meaning in this idea of gifts. And early on uh, in the story, in the, in the letter, um, Paul's writing to them, and there's sort of this battle over who's the coolest and who's the best, who's got the best gifts, and they're, they kind of pride themselves on their knowledge and their wisdom, and their ability to speak in tongues. And uh, I think uh, sometimes in the church, we see those as separate things. Like uh, the charismatic group is a bit overly emotional. The heady, uh, bookish types are just too bookish. Um, But in Corinth, in that world, those two were gone. They, They went together. If you're able to speak in tongues of angels, then... You are connected, and there's this wisdom, and there's this understanding, and they're taking pride in this, and they have certain apostles that they like better than others because they have this ability to speak so well in front of people, and so you have a church where Paul is trying to get them to understand, trying to get them to see uh, what God is doing behind the scenes, right, because God is sometimes sneaky, and we have people like this trying to enlighten us and help us to understand and see. And we have something like that going on in Corinthians. So when we get to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, he's starting to talk about gifts. He's already dealt with a number of issues. And Corinthians are like that. First and Second Corinthians, two letters to the church. And he deals with issues that kind of line themselves up. And um, we have these people that are worshiping in the church. And their gift seems to be a bit more important, like, much like we experienced in Columbus. So we go into, we jump into 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities. Now, the way this reads is actually uh, spiritual things. It's very very generalized, spiritual things. Uh, Regarding your question about spiritual things, uh, spiritual abilities, the Spirit gives us. I love this. I don't want you to misunderstand this. And so Paul gets snarky with him. He has this passive aggressive uh, streak in him. And so right off the bat, he's saying, I don't, don't be stupid about this is kind of what he's saying, (laughs) which is a real dig because they pride themselves on their wisdom and their understanding. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know, that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. And here we have another dig from Paul. He's really crafty in this. He's saying uh, their issue is speaking in tongues and how important that is. And he says, you used to follow speechless idols. Right? These things that aren't going to give you any revelation, aren't going to lead you anywhere. Um, that's guitars, that's high-end guitars, or phones, or cars, or, um, or the opinions... <coughs> being overly concerned about the opinions of others or being overly concerned about our education. I'm all for education, but that's not where I'm going to put my eggs in as far as trust and faith and all those sort of things. He says, you were once swept away and moved you know, here and there by these things. And he, and he calls them out with their, their uh, desire for the, the tongues of angels by saying these speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And it gives the impression that maybe part of their worship they were cursing Jesus. That seems kind of like a strange uh, worship practice in a church. And I think what he's referring to is that in these, uh, uh, they're Gentiles. Here it says pagan, but the the real word is that people of the nations, they're not Jewish. They were Gentile, they were non-Jewish. They learned to believe in Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, and they were baptized and they became Christians. But part of their old practice is getting uh, a bit worked up with these spiritual gifts and these things kind of taking over and creating a bunch of disorder in their worship. That was part of it. And there's a sense that that is being brought back into their worship as Christians. And I think that that's uh, not that unusual. I mean, we bring all sorts of ideas um, from the world into the church. If you were served in the military, you got ideas that are, you know, that you gained along the way that get, they creep into how we read scripture and how we live out our faith. Um, education, all the, everything. Uh, I don't know, it's worth maybe asking. How are, what are the ways in which we were, used to be tossed here and there before we began to worship? Right? He says, once. You were blown around by the wind, this way and that way. So it's worth stopping and thinking about what, what are the ways before. And some of us grew up in the church, and so we think, I don't know, I just grew up in the church, and this is what I got from the church. But we have church ideas that don't necessarily line up with Scripture, that we get fed and fed and fed and fed, and then we act on it and act on it. And at some point, we've got to kind of dismantle all that and relearn. What are those things? What are the attitudes? What are the actions? What are the beliefs that we brought? We bring in with us? I think this is the way it's supposed to work. The Spirit, the work of the Spirit we're going to talk about. How does that work? We're, if we were to stop and think about that, how would God and the Spirit of God direct your thinking about Yeah, that's maybe that, or maybe this, or maybe that. He says, as we think about the gifts that God gives us and the work of the Holy Spirit in the congregation, ground rule number one is that Jesus isn't cursed in that. If we can say Jesus is Lord, and, and a lot of scholars think that this is it. You know, our, our statement of faith is the Apostles' Creed, which is in there. I think it's at the very bottom. We have it on every week, but we can put it up there. Um, it's probably too small to read, but that's a pretty basic creed. You know, And we, we, we went with a basic creed so that lots of people could come and worship and feel like they are a part of this. This one's even more basic. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord. He's, basic, he's saying the basic idea when we understand the work of God among the people in the church, Jesus is Lord. And anything that stands against that, anything that would seem like Jesus is not Lord, we're not following Jesus, then it's not of the spirit of God. It's just, it's just not. I, uh, we talked recently to, uh, I talked rec- Kathleen and I talked recently to a, a pastor, a local pastor of a African congregation and um, trying to form and um, we had a translator there because uh, he didn't speak English very well. And it was interesting because we were talking about this idea of belief and his, his response was really interesting because he says, you know someone's a Christian if they act like Jesus. <laughs> like, he, did, he, he didn't have some sort of a doctrine. I'm sure he has it. I'm sure he has it in his head, his beliefs. But his immediate reaction was not to go to a list of, uh, here's what we believe in our head about Jesus. Here's what we know about Jesus. The first thing he went to is, like, if you act like Jesus, you know, people who follow Jesus follow Jesus. <laughs> So there's, our, there's the ground, that's, that's our starting point. And Paul basically is saying that, like, if if anything's happening that's not of Jesus, it's not of Jesus. That's simple, right? So if we're going to understand how these gifts and how the Spirit works in this community, that's our starting point. And then he moves on, and this uh, these next two things kind of build on each other. And... Um, <clears throat> Oh, let me read this quote. The foundation of whether something is spiritual or from the Spirit or not is the confession that Jesus is Lord. If someone's words or utterances stand in opposition to the confession of Jesus' Lordship, then it is not spiritual. That's it. That's not spiritual. Um, So he moves on. That's our starting point. Who is Jesus? Understanding Jesus. And then he moves on to understand God in a broader turn. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Amen. So there's two things going on here that's really, he really subverts their idea. Paul is sneaky too. If God's sneaky, Paul is kind of sneaky. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Now that's not where we started what we started with was, was is spiritual things. Here, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to misunderstand spiritual things. And now he switches the term. There are many kinds of gifts. Now, why is that so significant that he uses that term, gifts? Because they're given to each of us as a present, I guess. Oh. Yeah, that's very cl- yeah, that's very close to where I was going. To make, to make the church work. They make the, yeah, he's going to get to that. A gift is something that is given to you. Yeah. It is not something that I conjure up out of you know myself. Yeah. And so what's happening in this church is there. this is me. This is my incredible knowledge. This is my incredible ability to speak. And the, the whole work that's going on there, it glorifies the person. And so by changing the term, he's reminding us that this is something that's given to us. Right there, there's a, there's a level of humility yeah. that is necessary. Like this is, this is what's, you know, God gives this to us. I, I have no, I can't stake any uh, claims to this. It is given by God. And so he's very sneaky here and he starts to change the terms on them. And he says, there are different kinds of gifts. Let's remember that these are gifts. This comes from God, not from ourselves. This is not about building ourselves up and what I can do. It's about what God is able to do. Among us And then he does this thing where it's, it doesn't show up unless it's really pointed out. I didn't see it until I read about it, but there's this Trinity going on here. Check out the terms here. He says, there's the same spirit, there are many gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. God works in different ways. Um, it's, the same. it's the same work. So work and service and gifts, spirit, Lord, and God. So he's beginning to make this argument about, listen, we need to see people differently. And that's where we're going to go because God is different. God functions differently. God comes to us differently. God is different kinds of work. Part of it is gifts. Part of it is service. Part of it is activities, which is where we get our term uh, energy from. God's energy or God's activity in our lives. God works in different ways. God is a person that has different personalities, different persons. Yet it's the same God. And so now he's beginning to work on our understanding of God and he can move into uh, how we understand God's people from here. Many gods, or not many gods, one God, many functions, right? Right. I should make sure that comes out on on, on the (laughs) recording. One God, many functions. So now he moves into how do we live with one another? How do we understand God's people? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. And I love this first statement because here we have another ground rule. Jesus can't be cursed, number one. And number two, if it doesn't help people, it's probably not of the spirit either. If it's just supporting me, it's not of the spirit. If it's helping out someone else, then there's something spiritual going on. And you have this idea that there are many gifts, but we are united in the fact that we are serving when the body is built up to one person. The spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another. The same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. But it's the same. It's the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So at that end, that last sentence, again, he's saying, this is not about us. You cannot stake any claims to this. This is something that is given to, by God and it's given to everyone. Everyone has these gifts. And the things that they valued on this list are at the beginning and at the end. And he sneaks in these lesser values, the ones that they wouldn't have valued as much, in the middle. So now they're thinking, okay, oh, these other things that we didn't think were that special didn't have the status attached to them. Those are works of the Spirit as well. And so Paul, in this world, this is radical approach to understanding the body. That we are all gifted. That we all come to the table with a special gifting of the Spirit in order to serve one another, to help one another, to build one another up. We are all equal, and I th- in this world, in the same that we see, that we've seen in the last few years, with the, the fo- a more of a focus on racism, and we need to be reminded that God gifts everyone, everyone. Um, <clears throat> and what's interesting to this about this also is that Paul does not disparage. He does not call into question the authenticity of their experience. He just wants them to tweak their understanding that everyone has something to give. He doesn't put down what they're doing. These are gifts. Yeah, they're gifts, but they're, they're gifts. They're not, they're not abilities that you have only of yourself. They're not meant to build yourself up. Um, so here's a, here's a question. Um, <clears throat> have you ever come to a situation... Where you really don't know what to do. You have a couple options in front of you. And you're just waiting for God to show you what to do. (laughs) Like, really, God, I really wish you would show up and give me some advice on this issue. Anyone? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. okay. Um, Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't... Have complete understanding about something. Like you needed more knowledge about what to do. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like God was calling to you to something, but you just didn't have the faith to step out on it? Oh, yeah. I need more faith. <clears throat> and I think we've all have come to points where either ourselves or people we love uh, we wish had some healing, right? That there was something, there was an answer in the medical realm or mental health realm that could show us a way forward. I think that sometimes we, we pray and we pray and we ask our friends to pray with us to address these kind of crossroads that we face. And we forget that the answer might be sitting in this room. Mm -hmm. Right? God, here we have this passage where God works through people Mm -hmm. and leads people. And that Eric's got a gift, and Kathleen's got a gift, and Jay's got a gift, and everyone's gifted in a way. And this list of gifts is not exhaustive. I've seen churches that treat it that way. I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. He's not trying to say that these are the gifts and that's it, and you take some special class to figure out which one you're at. That's that's not that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that we're all gifted differently, and he's giving us an example. He's giving us some, for instance, right. But when we get to those situations, um, I th- you know, to be honest, for me, I think that there is a there's um, there, there comes this lack of belief that God's working through other people. So I think I just got to go to God myself. No. Um, not because I doubt anyone here, but because I don't tend to think that way. And I think that they don't tend to think that way. Um, but God works through people. And it, and it forces us to a certain level of vulnerability to open up. And that's scary. We don't like to do that all the time. That's fear. fear. Yeah. Um, and I think fear somewhere is standing in this, in this congregation because the reason they're building themselves up with a special knowledge of these tongues is because they're afraid that they're, they don't have the best phone at the church. Right. And that we're afraid. And so we do all these things. Mm-hmm. That special word, that knowledge, that healing, that faith. I believe that I can find that here, that God is using people here or maybe in the body at a different church that I know, friends from other churches, that can speak into that in a really powerful way. Um, And so that's what I want us to think about and to meditate on um, as we uh, go to communion. Communion is another one of those things where um, Jesus is sneaky. I don't think that, uh He's sneaky, because I don't think any one of those disciples is seeing exactly what's going on. That there's something, there's a meal going on, and I think they're ready to just take that meal. And uh, it's not until after the gift of the Spirit, if we're talking about the Spirit, that they fully understand mm-hmm. what that meal meant. Mm-hmm. But we come to the meal, and we celebrate um, the fact that Jesus body was broken for us that he gave himself for us that his blood was spilled for us and that in that very regular uh, event something that was happened yearly for Jews that the Passover supper there's something deeper going on that Jesus is revealing to us um, the gift and he gives it to everyone he offers it to all of his disciples The ones that wanted to see the Romans defeated, the ones that wanted to uh, tax their own people and work with the Romans, um, the ones that wanted to betray Him. Right? He gives that to everyone. And His mercy and His grace is revealed in that humble act. And so we're going to take communion. We're going to have... uh, Lisa will come on up front. And Chris will go out back. And we'll get our kids. We'll continue to worship uh, together and take communion together. Can we do that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me close in prayer.